this glorious mess. Hello, hello, and welcome to This Glorious Mess, Mama Mia's podcast for parents who hide mint sliced biscuits in the vegetable drawer so the kids can't find them. I love <laughs> mint sliced biscuits. What was the mint slices, the chocolate mint slices that you would have after dinner? After, after eight eights? Oh, they were so good. After dinner mints. Yeah, chocolate with mint inside. Yeah. Delicious. I'm Holly Wainwright. I work at Mama Mia, and I have two kids under eight. And I'm Andrew Dado with three kids, teenagers, two drivers... One driver who is an enabler for the one who doesn't drive. Want to go down to Coles and get some dessert? <laughs> Jackie will go, aren't oh. dessert during the weekends? They go, not when we've got the car. Oh, and they can get anything they want whenever they want. And they do. Well, <laughs> do you think it's a problem if they grow up with a thing going, if I can find money around the house, it's my money? <laughs> Right? I think every kid has that. Okay, good. So it's fine. My mum and dad always used to have a jar with money on, yeah, it, on their dressing table, right? Yeah. Is that what people still do? And the laundry. As soon as I was a naughty kid, I'd just be sneaking in there. As soon as I could what? reach that jar, I'd be like, it's a sneaky pound note going out of there. Yeah, I've tried to say it's actually not your money. It's actually stealing. And they look at me and go... Oh, come on. <laughs> it's just nuggets, Dad. Like, all right, fair enough. They don't have We're any all the respect same, right? for your hard-earned cash. My hard-earned shrapnel that I, that I don't respect enough to take out of my pockets before putting the pants mm. in the wash. My slacks. Your slacks. Because I'm an adult. You're such a dad. Pant slacks. Nobody wears slacks in 2018. Oh, Ooh, that's a naughty word. <laughs> Okay, how do you raise a child who's comfortable with their body in 2018? Oh, you don't put them in slacks, that's for sure. We're speaking to author Sonia Locke, who's written a book about body confidence aimed at five to eight-year-olds, plus a dilemma from a listener whose friend group has deserted her. Oh, but first... A little while ago, Carrie Bickmore, the brilliant co-host of The Project and a mother of two, or nearly a mother of three, she's about to have her third baby. I thought she was, but didn't want to say anything. No, you can't say anything, but it's true. She is about to have her third baby. She wrote an article in Stella magazine called What Happened to the Pop-In? Now, in it, Carrie wrote, it would usually happen on a Saturday afternoon. There'd be a knock at the door and in would walk Pam and John and their two kids. They were just passing through and thought they'd come in for a cuppa. The couple would lead to an impromptu dinner, which would lead to a sing-along that would end after some pleading with a sleepover. It was the best way to spend the weekend as a kid. And best of all, it was a surprise. Now, stumbling across this piece, I started thinking I'd have a bloody heart attack if somebody just popped in on me like that. So why is the pop-in dead and do we need to bring it back? It's not dead. There's nothing dead about the pop-in at all. Really? Do you pop in? We had a pop-in on Sunday. Talk me through it. Well, we're having lunch and we've all been doing a big group activity, lots of people having lunch. And then someone goes, oh, we'll give you a lift to your place. And so we said, no worries. And he goes, we're going to come in. I went, no worries. So in they came. He goes, got any beers? And I went, matter of fact, I (laughs) do. I haven't got many, though. We'll have to move to wine. And he goes, no problem. <laughs> so there we were. And it's Sunday night. It's, I said, you have to leave by 7 o'clock. And they go, no worries. That was a pop-in. Yeah. That, is that not a pop-in? Yeah, that's kind of a pop-in because they turned up to pick somebody up, right? And then they yeah, just decided hang to around. stay. I think it's alive. It should be alive definitely for family. I'm not into pop-in. 
Like, really? In Carrie's story, she wrote about why she, the pop-in's dead and she thinks that a lot of it is our kind of comparison anxiety. So my first thought would be if somebody pops into my house, so say another parent comes to pick up their kid from a play date and they seem to want to linger at the door because I'm just like at the door, not inviting them in. I'm like, oh, hold on, I'll just get Bobby for you, Bobby! <laughs> That's me. My first thought would be, oh, my God, my house is a mess. You can't come in here. My house is a mess. Yeah, yeah. And then I think, how long are they going to stay? Do you, have a, do you have a washing chair? Do we I have about, an, <laughs> We talked about the, the washing chair. chair. They'd be like, oh, my God, they might see my washing chair. <laughs> then I'd think, oh, my God, how long are they going to stay? Will they expect me to feed them slash give them something to drink? Have I got anything to drink? Have I got anything in the fridge? Like, I just don't live in a world where my fridge is always stocked and my house is always tidy. But Carrie was saying that that shouldn't matter. The spirit of the pop-in is if you just pop in, then you get what you get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it should be good. It should be alive and well. It's bad when you don't want someone to come in. If your doorbell goes and you're not expecting anybody, though, what's your first reaction? Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) See? No pop-in. Remember once I popped in, surprisingly, on my sister for her birthday with a slab of beer. (laughs) She's in Adelaide. We're in. We're living in Melbourne. We went over as a surprise. We just had the night of our lives. You just turned up best. in Adelaide and just popped to, in. Literally, yeah, with my wife. It was great fun. That was a pop in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a long time ago. No, my sister and I would all. We, we still pop in a fair bit. So you think that the rules for pop in are family? Yeah, family or really close friends. Yeah, family's fine. Although we did have a family one where we did a, a drop in on a birthday and found uh, the other half of the family having a birthday cake that we had not been invited to. Ooh. So we don't really, yeah, we don't pop in that much over there anymore. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was bad, actually. That was bad. That right there that is bad. another one of the dangers of the pop-in, yeah. is you might See discover something. something that you would really rather not have known. Yeah. Good friends should be able to put up with anything and accept anything because they're good friends. So you're not having a pop-in with some random from school on a drop-off. That's a pain in the ass. But if your best mate, Wendy, comes over, then it should be fine. I and do have some friends in my life who I don't give a stuff about my house exactly. looks like. And she'd go, do you want me to help fold that washing? <laughs> and you go, no, the kids will do it. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we make the kids do it? I'll just put the kettle on, yeah. slash open a bottle. Yeah. See, the other thing, and Carrie pointed this out in a story that's killed the pop-in is the phone. Because really now you go, oh, we're in the neighbourhood. We might pop in. And then the whole pop-in is killed. I just want to go on the record one more time. We will look back at this time of mobile phones and see that it ruined us. We're a social animal and we're stuffing it up badly. The other thing, though, that the phone has done to the pop-in is sometimes you see one of your friends has been in your neighbourhood and they didn't pop in and you're like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm talking about my brother. We asked some of our Mamma Mia family what they think about the pop-in and this is what they had to say. Um, the unannounced pop-in is impolite, in my opinion. Personally, um, I don't mind a pop-in, but I wouldn't do it to someone else. So, my husband's Maltese, and he's always got stuff in the fridge or the freezer ready for the pop-in. My dad has these pop-in friends that come every year at Christmas, and my mum and I literally avoid the house. Like, we'll come home and we'll see the car out the front, and we'll be like, no, nah, we have to get out. I think it's strange that you don't pop-in on people, especially your family. Maybe friends I wouldn't pop-in on. In England, where I'm from, it's just not the done thing. It depends on the ethnicity of your family. So I'm very white and it never happened in our upbringing. But my husband is Greek and apparently popping in unannounced is a thing. And I don't leave the house because I don't like people. So you can't come to my safe space. I'm sorry. I live in a high security building because I hate the pop-in and I don't want people coming to my door. And it's also why I moved to Sydney where I don't have any friends. 
My favourite thing about my mum is that she gives me hugs. We have an excellent listener dilemma. It's a very interesting dilemma because I think it's multi-layered and I think the answer to this dilemma is probably not what the listener wants to know. Oh, good. All right. Well, let's get into it. If you have a dilemma that you would like us to discuss, because obviously Andrew and I are very wise and we know all of the things, please email us tgm at mamamia.com.au or call our pod phone 028999386. Dear Andrew and Holly. <laughs> Sorry, just the way you start. Are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> then I'll begin. I'm feeling very left out from my usual mum group and I feel like I need advice. I have a family of three kids and at the start of this year I decided to study a Bachelor of Early Childhood full-time. I'm currently going gangbusters with my study and enjoying tertiary life. However, I feel as though I've lost my mum friends that I had before I started studying. This makes me so sad. I know I have to make sacrifices socially for studying and bettering myself at the age of 34. But my friends have disappeared because I'm constantly studying. My mum friends now don't invite me to gatherings and I'm not sure why. Is it because they think I'm too busy with study? I'm really confused. I thought women should lift each other up with achieving their goals. Please help. I need friends. Andrew, do you want to go first? Mm, I think... Uh, 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 are you ready for some tough love, Anonymous? <laughs> it just sounds like you've given up on your friends. Oh. I'm too busy to see them because I'm studying and you're expecting them to just be sort of there to be with you when you're ready, which is fair enough, but it sounds like they've just sort of moved on because you're not there at all because you're mm. studying. It doesn't sound like it's personal. They've probably just moved on. They're probably... Were good mum friends with the young kids, but not friend friends. That's brutal. They probably don't invite you because you don't turn up. And if you don't turn up to things, you don't get invited anymore. Yeah, and it's sort of a three-strike sort of rule. Did you ask Cindy? Yes. Oh, she didn't come. Oh, did you ask her again? Yes. Didn't come. Three strikes. Oh, well, onward. My mother's group's still quite tight, but when we weren't all working full time, we used to see each other a lot more. And we'd, you know, we were closer, we were tighter, we'd talk all the time about our kids. And this is, you know, back when we very first had our first babies. And then slowly and at different rates, everybody goes back to work, goes back to other things. Then you have another kid and that life gets more complicated. And suddenly it's actually very difficult to mm. catch up with anybody anymore because you're so busy. And of course, those friendships change and more during that time but the good ones will stay in some form yeah. like really good friends you might only see them twice a year but when you see them it's, it's brilliant yeah it's like when you work at an office for four years and you're best friends and you go out all the time and then you get a new job and you never ever see them again <laughs> all the time they're called work wives we call them work wives yeah. here at mama mia where you become yeah. besties with someone oh you God. work with and what then happened? you discover that you don't have much to talk about if you're not bitching mm. about your boss yeah. or your baby in this case yeah. and so that could well be the case you get new friends at school anyway young uni friends well, that's true. remember the mature age students you'd look at them and go just relax <laughs> Stop studying. You're making it worse for the rest of us. I think, Anonymous, if you really feel bad about losing your mum support group because mum support group is an amazing thing to have, mm. you should make an effort to reach out and organise something with them once off, see how that goes, and then in general maybe you just need to accept that you're going to be at like every third catch-up or yeah. something rather than every one. Good advice, Holly. Mum, I don't want to clean my room. One of the things many parents strive for above all else is to raise a child who's comfortable with the way they look. But in 2018, for a generation who spend their time scrolling through photos of ripped bodies on Instagram, that can be easier said than done. 
Author Sonia Locke has written a book for five to eight-year-olds which focuses on positive body image, inspired by her own experiences with body image as a child. Hello, Sonia. G'day, Sonia. Hi, how are you going? We're good, thanks. So your book is called Storm Clouds to Sunshine and it's about a little girl called Cat. What's happening yeah, with Cat? Yeah, a little girl called Cat. She's eight-year-old and poor Cat used to think that she was fat. She pretty much um, gets sucked into the whole obsession with, you know, wanting to be thin, wanting to look like this person, you know, that whole comparison thing which we all kind of do. She wants to go on a diet. She stops eating, inverted commas, bad foods. She wants to stop going out to parties and spending time with her friends so that she doesn't get tempted. So anything that's fun, she doesn't sort of delve into. And uh, I guess her temptation is tested when her family goes for a little beach day out and she sort of struggles with, you know, does she keep sitting on the beach wrapped up in her towel, too scared to get out there, or does she go out there and have fun? It's also got an underlying message there for parents and the carers as well. By the end of the book, they may second-guess the way in which they speak as well about their own bodies. So it's kind of an all-ages kind of book, really. So the plot that you just explained, it sounds to me like it would sound like a kind of tween or teen book, but you're saying that kids as young as five need to hear these positive body image messages. Absolutely. I've done a lot of research, and um, one of the things that I was finding is that five-year-old girls or five-year-old children actually are delving into this type of thing. Uh, There was a a report done or a study done a couple of years ago where 34% of five-year-old girls showed a moderate level of um, dietary restraint, while you know half of those showed internalisation of the thin body ideal. So, you know, all of these socio-cultural factors, including media exposure and peer conversations, were very strong predictors of dietary restraint than just individual factors. So it's certainly something that's increasing. Where does that come from, Sonia? Is that from parents or from friends or educators? It's certainly media, even the subliminal messages, you know, a bus might drive past and there's this billboard of this mm. idealistic looking lady on the on the back of it in a bikini and it's certainly friends, you know, talking about, oh, I'm going out this weekend and I don't know what to wear because this doesn't fit so I need to eat, you know, three lettuce leaves and a banana, you know, just to lose weight to fit into this outfit. So I think it's sort of a bit of everything and I think too parents have a lot to answer for as well and I know myself years ago I'd stand on the scales or whatever and criticise how I looked in front of my own child and I certainly know that that's certainly not the, the thing to do now. In my experience I'm very very cautious not to talk about weight and diets in front of my daughter. I've got an eight-year-old daughter but it mm-hmm. is alarming how many of my friends and my peer group do that all the time because women talk about diets and food and weight between themselves as almost like a bonding tool you know oh how are you oh you know I'm not eating carbs this week or what how are you well I'm all right but I'm trying to lose five kilos or it's part of our dialogue and then if you thoughtlessly do it around kids which you know most of us do then that's all they're hearing isn't part of it also that so say you put on weight and you sit there and go well hang on as an adult I put on weight I need to lose weight isn't part of the reason that we're such a larger society now is because we've put on too much weight? It's not so much the weight. I think it's the way we look at ourselves as well. There's health at every size. You know, we can be outside the BMI scale, and don't get me started on the BMI scale, but you know, we could be outside the BMI scale and clinically overweight, but we can still be healthy. Mm. Just as much as you know, people that are within the BMI scale, they can be unhealthy. So there's health at every size, and certainly if people... Uh, need to lose a few kilos or a few pounds for health reasons, that's fine. But even the word diet is sending your brain these messages.
messages, I think, that you've got to go into this starvation mode when really all you need to do is just eat a little bit more healthily and move a little bit more. So that's your basic key message with the book? It is. And it's just accepting yourself the way you are and putting this message through to the younger kids, you know, five and six and seven. Let's get onto them early so that we're not struggling with them when they're 13, 14 and 15 and trying to share with them that being healthy is more important. Loving your arms because that's what helps you, you know, hug the family dog or loving your legs because that's what helps you ride your bike, you know. So letting them just accept that everybody looks different and that's great and just to accept yourself the way you are. You were just saying that this is a good thing to get onto early with girls so that they're not struggling with those things in their teen years. But do you imagine that this book is for kids of that young age who have already expressed these opinions? Because the only thing I thought when I was looking at it is I thought, I don't know that my daughter, well, she's not expressing to me yet that she's dissatisfied with her body in any way. Is there a risk that if I was reading her this book or she was reading this book that she would start to look at herself differently? I don't think so because the book's got a real subliminal message. It's quite a light-hearted book and it rhymes and it's fun and it's got wonderful illustrations so it's just a very subtle you know don't miss out on good things in life just because you might be hung up about the way you look so it's just got that subliminal message and at the end of it I've got um, discussion point page where the person reading the book to the child can just discuss certain things with the child in a very light-hearted way and there's also affirmation cards in the book as well where the child can rip out and read these things that say to them that they love their body and they're okay that's the way they are. Now Sonia's book Storm Clouds to Sunshine is available on pre-order now it's out in October so if you google the title Storm Clouds to Sunshine you'll find the link to get there get it if it's your bag. All right, we are up to Nailed and Failed. It is our favourite part of the show. Andrew Dado, how did you do this week? We're driving along, me and my daughter. What do you got on today? Nothing. Really? Got any sport? Nah. Looking forward to March? Not really. I'm just (laughs) wow. I said, do me a favour. Here's my phone. Google, yep, yep, dunno, nothing, something like that, right? And the song is actually called Sort of Dunno Nothing by a guy called Pete Dennehy. And I said... Right, so she got it, she plugged it into a machine, and we played it. How have you been? Good. How's your dog? Good. How's college going? Good. All hunky dory? Yep. You going out tonight? Yep. You going to see your friends? Yep. You going to have a good catch-up? Yep. That should be great. Yep. Song. Because on Sunday mornings, I often listen to Macca on the ABC, and it's a Macca kind of song. Anyway, I listen to the whole song, and she goes, do you want to listen to it again? <laughs> <laughs> so she still does it. Right? That's hilarious. But now, yeah, so now we've got a tool, we've got an actual tool to go, how do you been? She goes, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, are you? <laughs> she so goes, now yep. you pointed that out to her in a really humorous way. It's now funny. That is a nail. Yep. So the song is by Pete Dennehy and it's called Sort of Dunno Nothing. What'd you do? Nothing. Did you have a good time? Yep. What's on tonight? Nothing. You're not seeing your mates? No. You're just staying at home. Yep. yep. What do you do? That's made my day. I'm going to play that to so, my children. Do you know what's funny? Like, I, I think my favourite part it was you when the song started looking at me going, you But it's actually good. It's very but no, funny. Don't, don't pick too early. Save it for when they're actually yeah. doing it. Yeah, of course. So, because otherwise it'll lose all its power. Yeah. I've, I've now passed that on to some other friends of mine, you know, men, men folk. We, 
Well, you've just passed it on to a whole world of TGM yeah. listeners. Good. So that will Good. be the song that everybody plays now when they say to their kid, how was your day? Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> And the video is terrible. Like, it's just a really crap video, which is actually quite funny I as well. I love it. Oh How'd you God. go? I've got a failed. Oh. A failed. Oh. We had our first big school project in our house. Oh, did I see the photos of this? It's the solar system. <laughs> well, oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Is that why it was a fail? What did you do? Oh, I this it was is a fishing me. float. <laughs> this is me at the shops on Saturday. Into craft shop. Matilda's got to build the solar system. Well, she doesn't, but she's decided she does. I was like, can't we just make some Google slides? She's like, nah, come on, mum, pull your finger out. So we're starting Where was, pro- Brent, was Brent able to help with this? In bloody Italy. Yeah. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's me and Matilda standing and Billy standing in front of all of the phone balls in the craft shop. And I'm saying to Matilda, how many planets are in the solar system? She's going, don't know. I'm like... Well, how many do we need? I don't know. I'm like, 10, 4? And then I'm like, I should know how many planets there are in the solar system. And then this lady, this is a beautiful illustration of parenting solidarity. So I'm standing there going, I don't know, Matilda's filling her arms with 20 million balls. There's a lady comes up behind me. She goes, they sell the set at Spotlight. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. Well, we're not going to Spotlight anyway. She's like, okay, I've done this before. And the lady came and she got me, you need this big one for the sun. You need this little one for earth. You need a couple of middle-sized ones for blah, blah. She sorted me out with the whole set there and then. And that was great. That bit was a nail. It's a nail. The fail is, A, the fact that I have no idea how many planets in the solar system. And then the fail then erupted all over my lounge room for the next few days where every planet had to be painted a different colour, then rolled on the floor. Then Billy would get the shits because he felt excluded. So he'd pick up some planets and start throwing them around. And Matilda's like, put something down, (laughs) put something down. I thought Billy might have picked up a beanbag, ripped it open and gone, (laughs) the Milky Way. (laughs) That would have been golden. Uh, so yes, I need some. Uh, I need some help. So is it done? The first. Is it done? Not yet. We've, it's nearly done, but there's some complicated thing that the lady told me in the shop about how I have to shave off a bit of the foam balls so they could stick to a piece of. I don't know. Oh, so you're not doing it with a uh, fishing line and a hanger? Well, no. Well, you're not having a mobile. It's <laughs> no. not to be suspended from the roof. No. Well, uh, you should have got the set from Spotlight. <laughs> Hey, we got an email from Hannah this week. She nailed it. An almost three-year-old son refuses to eat vegetables. She says, we've continued to serve them on his plate every night since he started eating, and they always end up going to the dog. Well, not tonight. Not tonight. (laughs) Tonight, without us even asking, he picked up a piece of carrot and ate it, and then he ate a second and said he liked it. We celebrated this with high fives, and he looked pretty impressed with himself. With himself, sorry. I then served him up a scoop of ice cream, which we have never done at home. As I turned around without prompting, he said, thank you, Mama. Oh, nailed Nailed it. it. Nailed it. He'll probably not eat another veggie for another two years, but I'll take it. That's amazing. I feel your pain. That's That's amazing. You know, my Billy is six. He still doesn't eat vegetables if he knows they're there. Every day, I put carrots in his lunchbox every day, even though he never eats them and he brings them home, but I still put them in there. Friday, picked him up from school, six years old. Something amazing happened today, Mummy. Something amazing. I'm like, what? What? I ate my carrots. Oh, wow. Six years old. The perseverance pays off. Did he like them? I said, did you like them? And he said... Uh, they're not delicious. 
So now he's probably he might be moving into the hunger. Yeah, he's starving because he doesn't eat anything yeah, except yeah. for white food. This is good. I've starved him out. Now he's finally eating some vegetables. Hannah, you are three years ahead of me. Well done. Yeah, well done, Hannah. This podcast was brought to you by Mama Mia and the producer of this excellent show is Luca Levine. Good on you, Luca. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening.